Welcome to the Faith Talk podcast. We're excited you are listening today. Prepare to be challenged and inspired through today's episode. We pray that every fear is dispelled and your faith is increased as you hear the word of God. Now, let's listen in with our host, Caleb Schaefer. We're in a society that keeps tabs on everything. We're, we're in a society where, you know, we, we look at, uh, we look at the productivity of everything. We rate everything by a percentage. How's your productivity at work? What is the percentage of efficiency that you have at your job? What is the, uh, what is, what are your numbers? And we want to qualify everything. We want to quantify everything, excuse me, by numbers. We want to place a number value on how well we're doing all the time. You, uh, you have a certain score, your credit score. You have a uh, score at work. You have a score for your driving. You have a pain score, yes. On the scale of one to 10, how sad is your face on the chart on the wall, right? Yeah, how, how bad does it hurt? Do you need more medicine? What, we keep scores with everything. And in the kingdom of God, what we've gotta do is we've gotta flip-flop that, and we've gotta get a mindset to know that God is not keeping score with you if you are under the blood. God is not keeping score of how many times you messed up today if you're under the blood. If you repent, if you get that under the blood, God cleans that slate. He's not keeping a score with you. And so where you see yourself as someone dirty and wrong and unclean and you've messed up, you, you said a swear word today, you had a, a, an evil thought today, you wanted to hurt someone, you wanted to punch someone and knock someone out today. Whatever that is, whatever those things are that you're dealing with, you are the one that is holding that against yourself. And the enemy loves that when you hold that against yourself because he, he understands that if he can get you in that mindset where you don't think you deserve anything from God, where you don't think that, that God is, is going to pour his love and his mercy and his blessing out in your life because you're too dirty. If, if you will get to that point, then you won't be able to receive anything from God because you won't believe God for anything because you don't believe that you deserve anything. But can I tell you tonight, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And so that means that in the kingdom of God, if God is love, guess what? He's got no record of wrongs that you've done. He's got no record of wrongs. So we all think that God's up there Oh, they messed up again. They ran a red light. They wanted to tell their boss off at work today. In fact, they did under their breath. They just, they just thought about how they could kill their spouse and get away with it. We all think that God's up there doing that. But my Bible tells me that if we're under the blood, love keeps no record of wrong. And so we've got to believe that. We've got to get our mindset changed, that we're accepted in Christ, that we're secure in Christ, that God is not up there with a a ruler, anyone that used, you, you know, you got hit with a ruler or a wooden spoon or a ball bat, whatever it is, a belt. God's not up there, we're ready to punish you, ready to zap you, 
every time that you do something wrong. Because if you are a child of his, he is seeing you through the eyes of love. He's seeing you through the eyes of Jesus. And Jesus, even as he was on the cross, cried out, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing. And so we got to get that mindset, you're right, that we are we are worthy because God promised it to us. God said, hey, you are heirs to the throne now. You are an heir to the throne. My Bible tells me he has made us kings and priests. He's made us a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. God did not think that you were so valuable that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you so that you could just go through life feeling downtrodden about it all and feeling worthless. You were worth a whole lot more to God because God spared no cost so that he could have you. God spared nothing. And so if you will get yourself to a point where you see that he loves you so much, you're going to be able to accept the blessings of God, to be able to accept what he has for you. And then, and then you know, that trust will come in, that, that he will give it to you. And so that, that is a twofold thing that we, you know, we've got to trust, but we also have to believe that we're worthy, that we're worthy by the blood. And uh, we, we've actually been talking about this this week. That's funny that this came up because uh, God revealed to uh, Crystal earlier this week when she was texting me on Monday that the people of God uh, are feeling insecure and they're feeling like they don't have worth. The enemy has beaten them down. And so I believe that God is about to release an outpouring into this church. I believe that he is of just security in, in the eyes of God, that we are secure and we are accepted and we are whole in the name of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, when the ravens cry, they cry alone. We talked about this just a second ago. The ravens cry alone. They cry out wherever they're at alone. But you have the Holy Spirit of God down on the inside of you. You have the power of God down on the inside of you, and he will cry out from within you. It is spirit talking to spirit when he cries out within you. And you have that mightier one praying through you and for you. You can hear the sinners crying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There's another voice that is far louder and sweeter than the first. It is more powerful, mounting up at the same moment and pleading, Father, forgive them through my blood. If you're crying out for mercy, to God, guess what? Jesus is crying out for mercy for you. The Bible says he's ever interceding for us. He's ever interceding for us. What a thought. What a thought. The Lord Jesus Christ makes a good copy of our poor prayers. A lot of the time we don't know what to say, but Jesus Christ is praying for us. And if we'll cry out, He'll intercede for us. You know what? We are all at different walks. We're all at different stages in our walks. We're all at different areas in our walk with Christ. Some of us are more advanced. Some of us are, are maybe younger in, in the body of Christ. But Jesus Christ, when he intercedes for us, it levels the playing field. It levels the playing field. We're going to talk in just a minute about, uh, about the different dimensions of praying. And so we are all called to pray. 
We're all called to pray. We're all called to cry out to God. And you know, there is something very special about when we watch and pray. The Bible tells us that we've got to watch and we've got to pray. We've got to watch God and we have to be people of the spirit. The only difference between you and you being def- you winning and you being defeated is that you have the knowledge. You have the knowledge. The Bible says that people perish for the lack of knowledge. We have knowledge of a saving God. We have knowledge of a healing God. We have knowledge of a delivering God. Not only do we have the knowledge, but we have the experience of seeing it happen. If you've come here for any amount of time, if you've spent any amount of time at the Tri-State Ministry Center, you know that people get healed. You know that people get set free. You know that people get delivered. You know that people come to the altar and get saved. You know that the gifts of the Holy Ghost are real. You know that prophecy is real. Nobody can tell you that it's not for today because it happens. It happens here. You have a knowledge that a lot of people do not have. And people perish because they do not have that knowledge. They have the lack of knowledge of what God can really do in their life. And so they're out there struggling and fighting and not believing because they just don't know. There are people who just don't know that God is a healer and God is a deliverer. And we have got to walk in faith. And because we have knowledge of what God can do, we are accountable for that knowledge. You are not as accountable for the knowledge that you don't have. If you don't know what God can do, maybe you're not held as high, highly accountable for that. But because you've seen it, then you have an accountability for that. What do I mean? When someone says, I don't know if God can heal me, you say, oh yes, he can. Oh, yes, he can. I've seen God heal. I've seen God set free. I've seen sickness lifted off of people. I know that he can heal. I know it because I've seen it. No one can argue with me. Everybody came a little too late in the game to argue with me that God can't heal. Because I've seen it in my own family. I've seen it in our own household. I've seen it in this church. Nobody can argue with me that God doesn't deliver and set free. Why? Because I've seen it. I've experienced it. I know it to be true. No one can tell me that prayer doesn't work. Because I've seen it happen. I've seen it work. I've seen people that that we've been praying for for years. I've seen people even on this cross since the beginning of the year that we've been praying for. Things have been happening. Things have been moving in the spirit. Things have been changing. People have been coming to the altar that we've been praying for. People's lives have been changing. They're getting healed. They're getting set free. They're getting delivered. They're getting good reports. What we thought was one thing now is nothing. And that is the knowledge that we have. So we are accountable to act on that knowledge. We're accountable to be uh, faithful to that knowledge. And we know that Jesus prayed. So we've got to pray. We've got to pray. And because Jesus 
prayed. We see that Jesus would go off and pray. And after Jesus prayed, then he would work miracles. After Jesus prayed, he would do great exploits. After Jesus prayed, he healed Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus sitting along the road. After Jesus prayed, he healed the woman with the issue of blood. After Jesus prayed, that's when he walked on the water. After Jesus prayed, that's when he cast the dumb spirit out of the boy that cast himself in the fire. If he can get you to agree with him in prayer, see what you're doing when you pray and you pray the word of God is you are coming into agreement with the spirit of God. You are coming into agreement with what God has said about you. And the Bible says where any two or three agree. So if you agree with anyone, I would say agree with him. If you come into agreement with what he says about you, and this goes back to what we were talking about, we've got to come into agreement with what he said about us. We've got to come into agreement when he says that we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. You can't say, well, I don't know if that's for me. But we've got to come into agreement with that. Even if we don't believe it, you've got to just come into agreement with it. Yes, Lord, I believe that. I might not fully believe it. I might have some doubts and some questions. I might not even understand it all. But God, I agree with what you say, who you say I am. I agree with that in the name of Jesus. God, reveal to me the deeper levels that you want me to go to. Reveal to me the deeper levels of this so, God, that I can fully understand it and so, God, that I can apply it to my life and that it's not difficult for me to believe what you're saying and we've got to come into agreement with God and his kingdom about our finances about our mind about our family about our nation about our doctor's report whatever it is whatever it is the government of the United States we got to come into agreement with what God says about it we got to come into agreement with him And if we pray, God has access to the situation. See, what you are doing by praying is you are saying, God, I can't take care of this myself. I can't control this problem. I do not know what to do here. If I could fix it myself, I would. But what you're doing when you say, God, I need you to help here in this situation is that you are giving him permission to work. See, A lot of people do not give God permission to work in their lives. If we don't give God permission, he won't. God's a gentleman. He's not just going to step in and take over. He put us here in the earth. What did he say to Adam? He said, have dominion, subdue the earth. So if we're here to have dominion and we're here to subdue the earth, then we're going we're gonna to have to give God permission to work in the situations that we need him to work in. And when we say, God, I just surrender my life totally to you, that's the best place to start. God, I just surrender everything to you. I surrender this situation to you. I surrender every single day to God. That's what you've got to do. When you get out of bed, say, God, I surrender to you. Whatever it is, God, that you want to do today, have your way in my life. And so we've got to surrender. We've got to pray. And we've got to give God permission to work. We've got to give him access to work in our life. And there is a spirit of prayer that we can have. There's a spirit of prayer. There is a travail that we can have. A travail. The travailing prayer is a whole other level of prayer. When you hear someone travailing, you know it. It is a cry that comes out of their spirit. 
It is a cry that comes up out of them, and sometimes it's with tears, sometimes it's with wailing, sometimes it it is just something that, that you know they have made a connection in the Spirit on a whole other level. It's like them going into overdrive and the Holy Ghost taking over. There is a spirit of prayer that can come on us and cause us to travail. We've got to learn how to prime the spiritual pump. We've got to prime the spiritual pump. You've got to pray until it's not you praying anymore. You got to pray until God fully takes over. Gideon did not put on the Lord. The Lord put on Gideon. The only way that you can learn how to swim is to jump in the water. And the only way to pray is to sit there and ask God to help you to pray under an anointing. God, help me to pray under an anointing. Help me to pray with an unction. God, I don't want to just use English words that that I think are good to use. God, I want you to pray through me. God, I open up myself and I yield myself so that you can pray through me. I might not be able to put everything in words, but my Bible promises that the Holy Ghost will make intercession through us. And sometimes that is with groanings that are not uttered with speech. Sometimes groanings with tears. Sometimes groanings that come with a wail and a a travail and a cry. See, we have got to get to a point where we allow God to pray through us. Some people just want to pray with their intellect. Some people just want to pray with their mind, with their words. But we've got to let God pray through us for a lot of these situations that we have not uh, the slightest idea of what to pray. We don't have the slightest idea of how to get drugs out of the community. We've tried legislation. We've tried extra police force. We've tried training and classes. We've tried opening up new clinics that help people. Now they're talking about in the state of Pennsylvania, opening up legalized injection sites where people can go get controlled injections. The craziness that has has come about from this drug opioid epidemic in the United States, it is totally, uh, it's mind boggling. And we have no clue how to fix it. No clue. The government doesn't know. The citizens don't know. The cops don't know. Nobody knows how to fix it. If we knew how to fix it, it would have been fixed by now. So now we're going to just try giving the people the drugs. Legalized injection sites so that we can control it. We don't know how to fix this problem. But there is one who does. There is one who knows exactly what to do to fix the problem. And sometimes we've got to get to that point of travail where we cry out from our belly about it, where it concerns us so much that we pray and we let God take over. And those groanings come out of us that pray for us and pray through us from the Holy Spirit. And he takes over. And that's how we need to get to praying about these issues that we can't control, that we have no idea how to fix This abortion issue is an issue to travail about. It's an issue to pray until God prays through us because we have no idea how to fix it. We have no idea. We tried certain things. We've tried marches. We've tried showing up down 
at the White House, at, the, at Congress. We've tried showing up at our state legislator's office, and I think it's great that we're writing letters and doing things like that. But really, we need God to fix the problem. We need God to fix the problem. When 60 million have been murdered, 60 million, we can't even think of that number. We need God to pray through us. We need God to pray through us. It can't be our thoughts and our words. We've got to let God pray through us. We've got to get to that travail point where we don't articulate speech. We just know that God is praying through us. If a person is going to be pr pray and be heard to be answered, he must follow certain guidelines. There are certain laws that govern prayer. There are certain laws that govern prayer. The first law is believing. We've got to believe what we're praying. We've got to believe it. I heard a music minister uh, talking the other day, and she said one of the worst things that you can do if you're in music ministry is get up and sing a song that you don't believe. If you don't believe God can heal, then don't get up and sing, I believe you're my healer. Why? Because the doubt that is down on the inside of you will leak out as you're singing. And if you have doubt when you're praying, that leaks out of you. You got to believe it. You got to believe the word of God. You got to grab a hold of it and believe it as you pray. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Hebrews eleven six. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you can comply with both of the following requirements, then you can pray. The law of believing states that you must believe that God exists as a powerful sovereign Lord. You must believe that he is in control and he is on the throne. Do we believe? that? Absolutely. The law further states that you must believe that God will answer you. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Those are the two laws uh, that fall under believing. Then there is a law of sincerity. There's a law of, in, a law of sincerity. Insincere people don't get their prayers answered. If you are insincere when you pray, God Touch my enemies. Help those people. God, I just pray that you bless my ex. If you are insincere when you pray, God is not going to answer those prayers. And I know I'm being a bit facetious, but really that's how some people pray even about healing. That's how some people pray even about finances. That's how some people pray about deliverance. We don't really believe you can do it, God, but this is the spiritual thing to do. And I said I'd pray for somebody, so now I gotta do it. We've got to get to a point where we are so sincere and we believe God. Jesus, when he was on the earth, what, did, what motivated him to to heal people his compassion compassion comes from where compassion comes from in here and sincerity comes from in here and believing takes place in here it's not all up here it's got to get to a heart level and when you get to the heart level and you're sincere from the heart uh, then God will hear and he will answer when one prays sincerely all facades are stripped away all deceit is gone and the heart is laid open before God in total sincerity with an an open spirit with all hatred gone with all hatred gone anyone 
in a place of total sincerity before God will discover a blessedness beyond anything he could have dreamed of. But see, there's a cost involved. There's a cost involved when you're sincere. The cost of commitment and of time. We have preached in the United States of America especially a costless gospel. We have preached that everything is free and everything is, is just handed out and that God is just going to pour out and bless and, and that nothing can ever hold it back. But can I tell you tonight, the, the blessings of God, the presence of God is contingent on your willingness to commit and obey. Salvation is free, but the anointing is going to cost you something. Salvation's a free gift. You don't have to do anything to get it. Just accept it. But to have the presence of God on your life, to have your prayers answered, it's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some commitment. The time to begin praying is not when you're in trouble. The time to begin praying is when you, the time to begin to praying is really now if you haven't already started. But the time to begin praying is long before the trouble ever gets to you. If you pray when things are right, God will come to your rescue when you get in trouble. Then there's the law of perseverance. And I'm so glad this was in tonight's lesson because some people had some questions about the things, uh, some things that were written in this first packet. Because there are, there's a certain belief in uh, certain Pentecostal circles, in the word of faith circle, uh, especially that if you pray for something more than once, then you didn't have faith in the beginning. If you pray for something, then you should never pray for it again, is what some people believe. We do not hold true to that belief here at the Tri-State Ministry Center. If we did, then we would put the pictures on the cross for one day and take them back off. We believe that you pray until something happens. We believe that you pray until you see results. And there are several examples in the Bible of, of people praying over and over and over again for the same thing. And we're going to go down through a couple of those. But one of the reasons that I wanted to call attention to this is because in order to learn, if we're ever going to learn, we've got to learn opposing viewpoints. If you're ever going to be strong in your beliefs, you can't just know what you believe. You've got to know why you believe it. You say, we'll just take abortion because that is the, the topic of the, the hour. I believe abortion's wrong. Okay, why? Why? Why do you believe abortion's wrong? It's murder. Why do we believe abortion is wrong scripturally? I knew you before you were in the womb. I knew you before, before you were in the womb. And there are several other scriptures that point to God creating us. God created us in his own image. God created us in his own image. He breathed his life into us. We have an opportunity at life. Life is not a burden. Life is not something that is, that is troublesome. Life is an opportunity. Life is a gift. The Bible says children are a gift from God. At what point does it become your child? 
conception. You make a baby, it's yours. Hallelujah. And so you've got to know the why behind what you believe because somebody somewhere will argue with you someday about what you believe. And you better know not just where you stand, but why you stand there, why you believe what you believe. Because if you just say, well, I believe abortion's wrong, they're going to tear you up one side and down the other because they are out for blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. One sells life, but two, eh. Th- that's crazy. That's crazy. And they believe that if you squash a sea turtle while it's still in the egg, yeah, you're terrible. You're a terrible person. See, we've got it all flip-flop. But if we know these things, why we believe what we believe, why we believe that if you keep praying, it's a good thing. If you keep praying, it's a good thing. God forbid that I should sin against my Lord by ceasing to pray for you. Well, if I cease to pray, that means I must have started at some point. And if I sin by stopping praying for you, that must mean that it's wrong. So in order for that to happen, I got to keep praying for you. What do I do? I just not pray the same thing over and over. What do I do? I think I'll God, I pray for their job today, but this is the last time I'm going to ever pray for their job. Tomorrow, I'm going to pray for their kids, but that's the last time I can only pray for them. I can only do it once. Yes, Daniel prayed and the Bible said that the angel, when the angel got to Daniel, what did the angel say? Your prayers were heard on the first day that you prayed. What does that mean? If it says your prayers were heard on the first day that you prayed, that means that he must have prayed on a second day and a third day, and a fourth day, until that 21st day when the angel finally got there. He must have been praying the same thing. Elijah prayed for rain on Mount Carmel, and he prayed seven times. He prayed for rain seven times. Now, by some people's ideas of what prayer should be and shouldn't be, then Elijah would have been completely out. He he would have been wrong. So we know that praying, continuing praying is not a bad thing. Sometimes you got to pray for a while for something. Sometimes you got to pray every single day until you see that loved one come in. Sometimes you got to pray every single day for those people that are, that are nagging you and that are working on your nerves. Sometimes you got to pray because you got to know the law of perseverance. You got to hold on until the victory comes. And when it comes, it will be a total victory. You know what? You might get tired of praying. Elijah probably got tired of praying the fifth, the sixth time, maybe the seventh time. He probably didn't feel like he should keep on praying because he didn't see anything changing. And when you don't see anything changing, it does get difficult to persevere. But can I tell you tonight, perseverance is key when it comes to praying. Perseverance is key to praying for a certain issue. If we stopped praying for abortion because we only prayed, we prayed for it once. We prayed for it once, God didn't do anything. I guess we didn't have faith. No, that's completely wrong. You keep praying. 
You keep praying until you see something change in that because your prayers are doing something in the spirit. Your prayers are reaching the throne room of God and there might be some sort of hold up. The prince of Persia might be holding back the angel that's coming with your answer. But if you will keep praying, you will keep praying what, what the Bible says and you'll keep believing. See, we've got to pray continually according to the word of God. And you persevere in that prayer. And don't let anybody tell you, well, you can't pray for that again because you already prayed for it once. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. There's a law of humility. A law of humility. There are times when prayer is prayed that there's a prideful spirit in the prayer. There are times when prayer is prayed that there is a, a haughty attitude in the, in the prayer, when the prayer is prayed. But we have got to pray with humility. We've got to pray and we've got to bow down and see that God is, is in control and we need him and we've got to surrender to him. There is a pride that prevents answers to prayers. A self-righteous person when they're praying, a person who expects uh, that, that they don't need God, that prays is is hindering the prayer from being answered. And so prayers that are answered come from those who humble themselves before God, who bow their knee to God and say, God, I can't do this on my own. God, this is going to have to be all you. You don't know how many times I walk into this place on Sunday morning and I say, God, this is going to have to be all you today. It's going to have to be all you because I got nothing to give. Some days you're tired. Some days you're worn out. Some days you, you, things change. Uh, overnight. Sometimes, sometimes I get a text in the morning says, Hey, this is the direction we're going this morning. Okay. Awesome. Praise the Lord. But then the whole plan just went out the window, but you're relying totally on God at that point. And honestly, a lot of the time that's when God can really move because we have nothing to give when our plans are thrown out the window, when our plans are just totally gone and wrecked. That's when God can really move because we're totally leaning on him and saying, God, this is going to have to be you today. And then there's a law of prayer structure, a law of prayer structure. The way we structure our prayers is important. This does not mean that you have to use big words. Okay, you don't have to be a scholar of theology. You don't have to talk like you are writing Webster's Dictionary when you pray. Big words do not impress God. Big words don't impress God. Your intellect, your smarts don't impress God. What impresses God is faith. And you can have the, the most low of an IQ, and if you are praying in faith and you're believing God, God will answer prayer. It doesn't have to be a lengthy prayer. I've heard some short, short prayers that were answered because they came from the heart. God hears and understands all. If we're to pray effective prayers, it's important to understand that there is a formula to prayer. And our prayers should begin by exalting or glorifying God. Our prayers should begin with some sort of a thanks and a praise to God. We should acknowledge him for who he is. And then we go down into uh, our personal presence with the Almighty. We go down into our time spent with God. The point 
is that both the time and place of prayer should enable one to be apart from worldly secular things long enough to make it possible for him to be with God and commune with him without interruption. What does that mean? That means that when you pray, your focus becomes totally on God. We should focus on who God is and worship him and praise him when we pray. And our focus should be on him and him alone. Does that mean that you can't pray out in public where there's a bunch of stuff going on? No, that just means that you shut things out and you say, God, I'm giving you my full attention as I pray this prayer. You can know God better when you seek him on a regular basis after travailing with him, being with him long enough, consistently enough and deeply enough to become one with him. God wants you to become one with him. God wants you to become one with him. He wants you to be in unity in the spirit with him. What does that mean? You're agreeing with him in the spirit. You're praying and you're believing what he says is true. You're believing that he is telling you the truth. And so we are going to have to spend quality time with God. We spend quality time with a lot of things. We spend quality time with a lot of of things that are unnecessary. Some people spend a lot of quality time with Facebook. Some people spend a lot of quality time with the television. Some people spend a lot of quality time hunting. Some people spend a lot of quality time sports with sports. Some people spend a lot of quality time down at the hair salon. Some people spend a lot of quality time, you know, with their friends, with their family. We all spend quality time different places, but we've got to get to a point where we spend quality time with God. And it's one thing to carve out time with God and say, I'm going to take this, even if it's 15 minutes, God, I'm going to take this 15 minutes with you. It's another thing to carve out that 15 minutes of quality time with God. What's that mean? That means we got to shut some things out. We got to shut some things off. We got to turn some things down. We got to, we got to put our focus, our attention totally on him when we're in the prayer closet. Because guess what? If you don't, things will distract you. Things will distract you. Sometimes even if you have a, a, a Christian radio station playing or some Christian television station playing, sometimes you get distracted. You can get distracted very easily. Our human minds just go, I guarantee you, if I asked everybody in this place where your mind has gone in the last 45 minutes, food, work. You're thinking about what you got to do as soon as you leave here. I got to stop at the gas station, get gas. I, my car's on a quarter of the tank. Then I got to run, run to the grocery store. I need this for tomorrow. I got to go home. I got to remember to set the alarm for in the morning. I got did I turn the hair, did I turn the hair dryer off? Is it still running on the counter? Is my food still in the crock pot? Our minds go all over the place. They, you think so many thoughts in a day that they can't even keep track of how many thoughts you think in a day. It's the absolute truth. They have scientifically proven, they have, they say on average there's a certain amount, but we're not quite sure. And so what we do a lot of the time when we, when we decide we're going to pray, when we decide we're going to read the Bible, a lot of the time what we do is we sit down and we're good for about a minute and a half and the phone rings or something happens, we hear a noise 
A squirrel runs by the window. We get distracted. The kids are knocking on the door or downstairs fighting as soon as you, as soon as you commit to set time aside with God, something comes in and tries to distract you. But what you've got to do is you've got to make that commitment and you've got to say, God, I'm shutting things out. If I have to put earplugs in, if I have to, if I have to get one of those sleep masks so I don't look around, whatever it is, I know I'm being funny, but you know what? A lot of the time we get so distracted when we, when we set time aside for God, we get distracted. And you know what? The devil doesn't want you spending time with God. The devil knows when you're going to spend time with God and he will send things in to try to distract you. He will have, you know, you can be listening to the radio, listening to Christian music. And the next thing you know, there's a commercial for something that comes on and you, you think, Oh, I'd like to the K love cruise where I got to sign up for that. And you totally lose your train of thought. And the next thing you know, you're somewhere else and doing something else. And the time that you had set aside for God has been eaten up. And so we've got to get ourselves to a point where we shut things out to spend that time with God. We can't just say we're going to spend time with God. It's got to be quality time that we spend with him. And that means that when we're in there, the only thing that we're listening for is his voice. The only thing that we're listening for is his voice. So I don't know what that means to you. I know what it means to me. And I know that there are certain times, and really honest to goodness, one of the worst times to decide you're going to pray and read your Bible is right before bed. There's a distraction. Squirrel! <laughs> no, sorry. <laughs> uh, one of the worst times to decide you're going to pray and read your Bible is right before bed because what happens? You fall asleep. You fall asleep. And so you've got to make some time at another point in the day. One of the best times to pray and seek God is as soon as you get up in the morning. Yep. Get your coffee. Get your coffee, wake up 15 minutes earlier, which might mean going to bed 15 minutes earlier. You might not be able to watch the 11 o'clock news, or you might have to turn off Wheel of Fortune. But we've got to set that time aside, because if we don't, we're losing. We're losing. The devil is fighting against us, and we're losing. So in order to do, in order to have something you never had before, you've got to do something you've never done before, and you've got to become kind of militant about it and set that time aside, quality time. Amen. Will you stand to your feet tonight? I know we went a little bit long tonight, but I want to, uh, I want to just pray tonight. If you need special prayer tonight, I will gladly pray for you. If you want to pray around these altars or at the cross, that is absolutely appropriate. And uh, I believe that God, God really has assembled us for this time. He has assembled us for this time. He is teaching us. He is training us because we are to stand up and be that army that we sing about and talk about all the time. It's not just words that we sing. It's not just things that we say or do. But God, it is, it is that that you want us to be, that army that you want us to step out and be a part of that will bring 
the end times revival that will see people saved and delivered. So tonight I want to pray as we get ready to close out that he will draw us and cause us to spend that quality time with him. Father God, tonight I pray that you would draw us all to a deeper level of commitment, a deeper level of time with you, God, that we will shut out the distractions. God, that our time in prayer will be a time of quality, God, not just of of length, God, but of quality time where we're listening for you and you alone, God, where we're not distracted, where we're not thinking about other things or worried about other things, but God, where we've shut out the world so that we can focus totally on you. God, teach us the laws of prayer, the laws of humility, God, the laws of perseverance. Teach us, God, that when we pray, we can pray, God, time and time again with groanings from our spirit. Help us to learn to travail for the things, God, that we have no control over, for the things, God, that we need extra help with. God, let your Holy Spirit pray through us. God, with tears, with groanings, God, with utterances. God, tonight I pray that your Holy Spirit will infiltrate our houses and our lives. And God, that you will you will draw us, you will call us away to pray deeper, deeper than ever before, God, that our time with you will be that quality time. God, give us a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Give us a hunger and a thirst like never before. God, make it stronger day by day by day as we worship you and as we pray. God, draw us even deeper because, God, there is no point in time where we reach a spot where we say, you know what, we've had enough. We have enough of you in our lives. God, we pray that you would draw us away to pray, to spend time with you. And God, even though it might be uncomfortable at first, that we would just have that desire down inside of us to do it. And God, that it would be insatiable. That God, our hearts would cry out to you for the things that we need to see changed in our lives, in our families' lives, and in this nation. God, we thank you tonight that you have chosen for us to learn about this, that you've chosen for us to speak to us about this. And God, we pray that you would help us all to become the prayer warriors, that at this end times era in which we're living, God, that you would help us all to pray and push through and be the ones, God, who are praying for the people who don't have anyone praying for them, who are praying for our loved ones, who are praying for our co-workers. In the name of Jesus, God, I pray that you would give us ground in the spirit as we pray. Give us territories in the spirit as we pray. Give us regions in the spirit as we pray. And God, I pray that we would run the devil off from this area and from this nation as we pray. Make us bold in the spirit. Make us bold in the spirit tonight and give us that desire in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for you today. And if there's anybody on this podcast who does not know Jesus Christ, I want to pray a sinner's prayer. Very simple prayer. You just call out on the name of Jesus. And if you need to know him, it's the biggest and most important decision you can make in your entire life. There's no better decision that you could make than to say yes to Jesus and He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to 
have him in your life because he says he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And as you call out on the name of Jesus, as you read your Bible, as you pray, I believe that you'll start this relationship with him and it's going to be something that's going to help you through every single trial that you face. And so all that you need to do in order to accept the Lord Jesus as your savior is just say a simple prayer like this. Father God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I believe he's your son. I believe he died on the cross and rose again. I believe his blood has the power to cleanse me from sin. So wash me clean in the blood that he shed on Calvary. Forgive me of every sin. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a message on any of my social media. I'll be glad to connect with you and encourage you. Friends, I thank you for listening today. Thank you for uh, for sharing this with people that you know will need some encouragement. I love you so much. And I look forward to talking to you again next week on the Faith Talk broadcast. God bless you. Have an awesome day in the Lord. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Faith Talk podcast. If you would like to connect with the host, you can do so on Facebook at Caleb Schaefer Ministry, on Instagram at Caleb underscore Schaefer, or by visiting www.calebschaefer.com. Be sure to check out Caleb's worship albums on iTunes, Amazon Music, and wherever digital music is sold or streamed. If you've been encouraged today, please share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. May God bless you, and remember to tune in next week for another episode of the Faith Talk Podcast.